Love ain't no billy goat. Love don't got no beard. Love don't eat no garbage. Love's got regular human eyeballs. It don't got Satan's eyeballs. Love ain't no billy goat, that's for sure. So welcome to Undercooked Analysis. How are all you people doing? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Okay. Um, yeah, Overwatch. Um, uh, um, World of Warcraft. Dragon Dildos. Fallout 4. Clinchers. So, uh, original Silent Hill. Planet Coaster. Anyway, I'm David. Uh, I, I'm, I'm on this show most of the time, except for that one time just recently where I wasn't on the show, and I still don't really know what happened there, but that's probably okay. Um, I should know these things because it's my show, and these two guys are just my co-hosts, but they're also my co-hosts, so they have just as much of a right to do stuff without me there as they do now. They've earned that right uh, because of reasons. Anyway, over there is Death Palette. <laughs> Uh, yes. And, yes. Reasons. And, and, and over there is, is Alan. Hello, I'm Alan. And tonight, for your listening pleasure, we present to you a story called Rabbits in the Creek. Alan, stop eating the microphone, please. Okay. <laughs> This, um, I was filleting the microphone. Stop behaving inappropriately with the microphone. He was chafing the microphone. Uh, uh... No! <laughs> we really gotta push Chafee's for 2017. <laughs> Chafee 2012. The same... <laughs> In the same way that, that I'm starting a business to sell asbestos dildos in 2017. Some people said I shouldn't do it. And those people are the FDA. How is but I won't listen to them. How is asbestos going? Asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's going really well and really fluffy. <laughs> Things are very well insulated. Putting insulation in your in in places where it will be insulated. Mm-mm, mesothelioma. So anyway, um... that's is that is that a fetish for for asbestos? <laughs> I'll let you be the judge Alex, of that when you get D- it. David, David, you should start us off reading this one. All right. So this is Rabbits in the Creek. It's got on creepypasta.com, which is where I found it. Uh, it's got a 9.0 from 4,196 votes as of this recording. I'm writing this because my family won't talk about it anymore. I'm the only one who can't seem to forget. Okay. About the story, Rabbits in the Creek? Yes. Okay. I was raised on the outskirts of Preston, a small town in southern Idaho with a population of around 5,000. My more immediate community was an isolated, dead-end dirt road called Bear Creek. Less than 20 families lived on Bear Creek. 
I didn't mind being so isolated. I grew up in the comfort of wide fields and close neighbors that only rural people know. <clears throat> we were a Mormon community, very church-centered, very community-centered, very Mormon-centered. All the young girls, myself included, were part of the young women's group, and all the boys were members of the local Boy Scout troop, which doubled as a church group in our area. We had 4th of July parties at the local bar... Ball, at the local ballpark and swam in the nearby reservoir. It was a good, quiet community. Okay. So My far... father had eight wives. <laughs> we all wore special underwear. Anyone else have any Mormon jokes they want to throw out and get them out of the way? Mormon Jesus. Mormon Jesus. Your own... Mormon uh, Jesus. I'll be peppering mine in throughout the. Uh, okay. Throughout throughout the story. Don't want to blow your Mormon load. Yeah. Uh, can I? Uh, I do like. Um, I actually kind of like the setup so far, though. Like. Yeah, Mormonism's cool. <laughs> Mormonism is a great vehicle for creepypasta, as we have established in just about every other story we've read. Uh, my... You know, you're not wrong, even though you're being facetious. Mm-hmm. My house. That's and... that's that's what a sealed copy of Pokemon Blue should have been. It should have been <laughs> Mormon propaganda instead of uh, yeah Mormon instead of Islamic propaganda. <laughs> then people wouldn't be so mad in the comments. Um, it's but not yeah, terrorism, like... you ignorant slut. I like how this is being set up. It is very cozy. We're getting... Uh, I, this is exactly what I want out of the first basically two paragraphs of a story. Mm -hmm. This is the right amount of setup. Anyway. My house, a 92-year-old farmhouse built by my great-great-grandfather, was situated on a small hill surrounded by a wide grass field on one side and a snaking dirt road on the other. Across the road was the creek bottoms. Southern Idaho is categorized by a desert climate. So not much grows outside of the irrigated fields besides sagebrush and burrs. The creek bottoms were the exception. The creek fed the growth of a thick tangle of pussy willow bushes. In the late fall, we used to go down into the bottoms and pick the white cotton pussy willow seeds to decorate the fences of our driveway. Again, nice details. Yeah, this seems like the stuff that uh, stupid country Mormons would do to entertain themselves. <laughs> It was we a do, simpler time, very Bradbury-esque. Yeah. How we do love pussing, uh, getting the white pussy willow cotton to decorate our fences by the driveway. <laughs> our, our old 92-year-old farmhouse with many rooms. It came with 12 rooms, eight of which for the sister wives. <laughs> uh, being isolated, it wasn't uncommon for animals to come down from the mountains we had a female moose who brought her calf down and lived in our orchard every winter. And the occasional lion wasn't unheard of either. The summer when I turned eight, I remember because it was the same year as mine and my 14 brothers and sisters baptism. <laughs> um, what kind of baptism was it? Um, 
a baptism in a uh, lake of uh, Canada dry ginger ale. <clears throat> Fuck yeah. Mormons don't consider that soda, and they are not allowed to drink soda. Um, a smaller mountain lion was spotted several times in our area. We weren't worried. The big cats stayed away from the farms and usually moved on when the area didn't yield enough food. The big cats don't stay away here when there's not food. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> the same summer, my neighbor, Peyton, was working on his Eagle Scout project. He loved National Geographic and thought it would be pretty cool to try putting together a National Geographic submission on our little creek bottoms. The young lion that happened to be in our area at the same time made him especially excited. He decided he wanted to try and get pictures of the lion and emailed the National Geographic team for advice. I really hope that this paragraph right here is the setup for the horror in the story, because that is disastrous. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I want. I, I want all of. Story. I want all of this. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Like we're we're making jokes, but the story is already setting up to be a, a home run. And were you familiar with the story before? No. Mm, this, I I you know I'm I have a I have a decent track record with these. Let's see what happens because I have read this I, before. This will be my uh, Mormon baptism into the story. Rabbits in the creek. That's a good thing we brought all this ginger ale. Yeah. Dump your head in the ginger ale. Let the bubbles tickle your face. (laughs) They recommended setting up an automatic camera that takes shots every couple of seconds in an area that Lion was known to visit. They also recommended setting some kind of bait so the Lion would be more likely to come by. No one in the creek liked the idea of live bait or carrion. I always don't know how to pronounce that. How is that pronounced? Carry on? Carry on, okay. So we came up with a different kind of bait. All right, did it did it work? Let's see. We decided to set up an audio recording of a dying rabbit and play Oh man. <laughs> awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> and play it on the loop through a set of speakers hidden in the willows. I remember when everyone was down in the bottoms testing the speakers, and I heard the noise for the first time. The sound of a dying rabbit is horrible. (laughs) It's been described as being almost identical to the sound of a screaming child. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say front-loading... But I still feel good about it. Same. If you've never heard it yourself, there's plenty of recordings available online. It's worth a listen. Should I... Do you think I should insert the sound of a dying rabbit here? Yes, you should. Okay. Brace yourselves, everyone. There it was. Good. Well done. David went out in, into the wilderness of California to catch a rabbit to kill it to get that noise. I hope you're happy, everyone. That was um, he has, that he has was blood way, on his hands. You know, I thought Watership Down would have prepared me for this. No. 
No, there was... And he killed the first two too quickly, so he didn't get any sounds out of it. Yeah. All, and as I did it, I just kept humming to myself, Bright eyes. And then Kayla's behind you with a gun. <laughs> just keep petting the rabbits, Lenny. <laughs> I know, can I tell just... you about the rabbits? Can you see him, brown eyes? Can tell you me about... see him? Tell me about the Mormon rabbits. <laughs> I get distracted by these tangents. Uh, the camera was set up. The speakers were set up. Everything was perfect. Peyton com- explained that he would allow the camera, he would allow the camera and recording to play uninterrupted for a week, and then he would go check on it. This would give time for our scent for our scent to fade from the bottoms and encourage the lion to come closer. At first, I was worried about the noise. It was a truly horrible noise, and our houses were the closest to the setup point in the bottoms. My father assured me that the noise wouldn't reach as far as our house, and I was relieved when I arrived home that night, and he was correct. The bottoms were far enough away that I couldn't hear anything except potatoes growing because we're in Idaho. (laughs) Hello, let me scoop that up. Hello? Two kings? What? No! No fucking way! Rage, there's a potato famine in Idaho. You gotta go check on it. I remember Peyton the next day of church. He was fidgety and excited to check on the equipment. But he had to wait a week, which everybody kept reminding him. He couldn't risk going down too early and scaring the lion away for good. We often had to tell him that he had to calm down. He was a giant enthusiast of Kingdom Hearts. Uh, That night, I woke up to an awful noise. I sat ramrod straight in my bed, with my eyes wide in the dark, hands clutched so hard my palms bore the indent of my fingernails for hours after. I really like that. I I knew that noise. Because, you know, you always hear people come up with, uh, you know, analogies for, I was so scared that X thing happened, it's usually like goosebumps or my hair stood on end. That's a good one. Their palms being sweaty, their knees becoming weak, their arms becoming heavy. <sighs> I knew that Found noise. It was Eminem. Already. <laughs> it was the recording of Eminem. It I'm sounded... spaghetti. <laughs> it was. It was the. It was the rabbit. It sounded faint and far off, like it really could have been coming from the bottoms. But that was impossible because the recording had been going all night the previous day, and I hadn't heard a thing. The recording started at the bottoms. But now it was here. (laughs) (laughs) The Uh, rags to riches story of the dying rabbit scream. uh, I didn't sleep that night. I was too scared to get out of bed and wake my parents. The recording played over and over again. I had the loop memorized. In the morning, I stumbled into the kitchen for breakfast. My mom was serving rabbits. My mom and dad were sitting at the kitchen table. They had... A dark ring. They had dark rings under their eyes. They too had dark rings under their eyes. They had. They hadn't been the only one who'd heard it. Let me me reread that because I had some mistakes there. My mom's and dad were sitting at the kitchen table. (laughs) My mom's were convinced that the equipment must have been broken. All right. All right. (laughs) But child 15 
was proof that that was not the case. <laughs> the equipment was working just fine. Mom was convinced that the equipment must have been broken. She wanted to go down into the bottoms to check it out. Dad refused. He was a kind, gentle man and didn't want to stir up any unnecessary drama. So he sent my other mom. <laughs> <laughs> He was sure there had been a strong wind last night, and the wind was carrying the noise farther than its natural reach. He told us to listen. We did. He was right. We couldn't hear it now. A mighty wind was blowing all across the land. So here's what I'm getting out of this, is that, is that the lifestyle of rabbits is a metaphor for the lifestyle of Mormons. Bright eyes! We forgot about it and went about our daily goings, like, you know, being all Mormon and stuff. <laughs> being all Mormon and shit. <laughs> I'm just imagining that that's what Mormons do all day, is just they wake up in the morning and they're brushing their teeth and their first thoughts are like, yep, it's going to be another good day as a Mormon. <laughs> uh, the next day it happened again. I stayed up in bed with my back to uh, to the wall, sweat dripping down my vagina. Uh, the screaming was louder than before, but this time something was different. It was lower pitched than I remember, and parts of the loop were slowed down as if the recording were warped in places. At times, the loop did not loop naturally and instead picked up at random places in the middle. My mom didn't mention anything at the breakfast table, but both her and my dad seemed tense. The third night, <clears throat> I mustered the courage to stand beside my bedroom window and look out into the yard. For a moment I stood, rooted to the spot, my hands shaking no matter how hard I clenched them. The noise sidled in through the cracks in the window. I watched the outline of the trees in the yard, perfectly still, not even the slightest breeze stirred their branches. Man, I am digging the imagery in this. There's some decent. Yeah. There's yep. some decent. This is decent uh, pacing here too. I really like it. And all of the visuals and um, the audio are just really tightly written. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is super, super clenched up and perfect. Um, yeah, I. I'm trying to think of a way to describe why this is working so effectively. Um, it doesn't focus on one thing too much because it's like, here's what's happening in the night. And then they're describing and, you know, it's all audio stuff. And then they describe what breakfast was like the next morning among the family. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you keep yeah. switching up what's going on. And so it's not focusing on one thing too hard. And I think that that's the strength of the story. Um, my mom announced that she would be going to visit her sisters in town the next day, and I would probably she would probably and would probably spend the night there. She invited me to come along, but I was a daddy's girl at heart and chose to stay at the farm. I took my mom's place beside dad in their bed that night, and even that didn't help. I don't think my dad was asleep either, or he was unnaturally still the whole night. He was just paralyzed by the fact that his daughter was in 
the same bed as him, and he's just like. That's not in keeping with Mormon Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't think my dad slept at all that night. He probably drank too much ginger ale. <laughs> Can't move. Can't twitch a muscle. Have to pee really bad from too I much feel that ginger was a ale. Thing. I feel that ginger ale thing is something I made up in the moment. But I wholeheartedly accept it as a Mormon stereotype. This is now, <laughs> this is now canon. Yeah. Also, all Mormons are straight edge. Yeah. <laughs> this is things that we have long known. We began the 11th to... commandment: you must be straight edge. <laughs> we began to hear the noise during the day too. I was drawing with chalk on the sidewalk when it happened. My shoulders tensed and the hairs on the back of my neck prickled. There was only one scream. A short, high-pitched one, and then the recording fell silent. It happened again several times throughout the day, but never the whole loop. Just clips from it. I'm just amazed at how easy it is to put knees weak, arms are heavy into something. <laughs> like, my shoulders tensed up. My knees were weak, my arms were heavy. The hairs were already standing up on the back of my neck. Um, Mob spaghetti. Anyway. Mob spaghetti. <laughs> Later that evening, Peyton's dad came up the driveway in his four-wheeler. He said he was looking for their dog, a sweet yellow lab who had been missing since that morning. Oh no! Dad said he was sorry, and what he hadn't se- and that he hadn't seen her. I stared at him, silently begging him to mention the recording, but he didn't. He was a quiet man, after all. He didn't want to bring up any unnecessary drama. There's going to be a dead dog, you guys. Mm. Oh. I just know there's going to be a dead dog. It's been a while since I've read this, but I just... (sighs) Man. Dead dogs is the cheapest. Yeah. Um, Mom stayed away the whole week. Dad and I didn't sleep. By Saturday, the screaming could be heard constantly though it seemed to have deviated from the familiar loop entirely. I didn't recognize any of it. Sometimes the screams were thin and long. Other times they were uh, hardly more than growls. Once, while my dad had been heating up meatloaf for lunch, the noise rose into a ruckus... uh, Ruckus... Rockus sounds good, but it, I think it's, it says Rancorous. Rancorous Din, that he dropped the plate and it shattered. I pressed my hands over my ears where I sat at the table and squeezed my eyes shut, but it didn't help. The noises forced its way through the cracks in my fingers and pinched my throat and rattled in my ribcage. The Din lasted for a whole minute, then fell silent. Din. I've never heard this word. Really? The din? Yeah. It's it's a legit word. Yeah, it's, it is yeah. legit. Let's talk about their din din, which is meatloaf, which is the most domestic thing that you can have for <laughs> lunch. Guys, I'm, I'm legit craving meatloaf now, though. That's how good this story is. <laughs> word. I'm legit craving rabbit. <laughs> ah! Rabbit screaming. Awesome pfeffer. 
Oh, man, that just makes me think of that Betty Boop cartoon. You, so, Alan, you want to eat rabbit. What is the rabbit symbolic of? The um, modern Mormon woman. Yes. You will be the modern Mormon woman eating her plight. <laughs> and a penis. <laughs> Dad was shaking. That was the last we heard of the noise that day. Dad was shaking. Knees weak. <laughs> Peyton came by a Saturday evening to ask permission to cross our road and collect the equipment. He was so excited. I watched him disappear into the creek bottoms with a sense of tired relief. After the equipment was gone, it would all stop. I couldn't wait to get a full night's sleep. Not a minute later... I spotted Peyton coming back up from the creek. I was confused. It had taken as much uh, it had taken us much longer to set up the camera and speakers, so I'd only assumed it would take just as long to collect them. My breath stilled when Peyton came closer. He didn't look right. His eyes were wide and his face pale. Something wet dribbled from his chin onto his shirt. I later realized it was vomit. My dad caught him before he fell and demanded to know what happened. Short paragraphs Alan. Huh? Short yeah. paragraphs Alan says. Peyton couldn't speak. He just cried. Oh my god, I'm looking ahead. It's going to happen again. No, I'm reading it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we called his dad. I looked after Peyton as both my dad and his dad went to the bottoms. They were gone a long time. When they returned, their faces were grim, and they smelled funny. I noticed red on my dad's hands. I asked what was wrong, but they brushed right past me and immediately called the police. Nobody would tell me what had happened. I sat on the couch as a blur of neighbors and police officers swirled around me. At one point, an officer placed something on the kitchen table and left. I looked onto the kitchen table curiously. It was the camera from the bottoms. I wish I hadn't looked. Well done. The camera was a little banged up. Tiny scratches and dents covered the plastic casing. When I lifted it in my hands, when I lifted it, my hands stuck to the plastic. Something tacky and odorous covered the screen, but it turned on fine. The first set of photos were normal. Just the pussy willow cast green in the glow of the night setting. As I continued to click through them, they quickly became strange. At one point, the camera angled as if the camera had been knocked from its pose. Grass now obscured most of the frame. Flecks of red appeared on the lens and remained for the rest of the sets. One photo made me pause. Lion paws. <laughs> there was a figure in this one. Or half of a figure, as most of the upper torso hadn't made it into frame. I thought it could be human. But it didn't look like it should be standing upright. Its legs were twisted like an animal, and it seemed to be having difficulty supporting itself in an upright position. Beside the legs, a long, thin arm hung. Whatever it was must have been stooped over, for its fingertips hung below its crooked knees. 
Now, compared to the last story we read, which was Huntsville camping trip, I mean, Arizona, um, this Huntsville, is how you, Arizona. Huntsville, Arizona. I think this is a, uh, we don't have a clear picture and that's good. We have something that could potentially be some sort of cryptid or some sort of creature, but I think this is doing it right in terms of kind of describing what we're seeing. You know what I mean? Well, last yep. time you read that comment about the David Lynch stuff, and it was saying, um, we don't know what this is, and that's why the story's good. But that story was garbage because it wasn't written with a clear intent and purpose. This is giving us something to unravel for ourselves and find our own personal answers. And that's very different from not having a direction. There still needs to be some sort of direction underlying guiding it. And David's probably coming to a different conclusion than Alan is, than I am, about what this thing could be. Uh, it might not even be a cryptid. It might just be a mutilated person. We don't really know exactly. Um, but we're giving this, getting this information through a narrator who is getting it through a camera that isn't even capturing everything, mm. you know? So Add to that the fact that the narrator at the time of looking at the pictures was a child. Yeah, eight years old. And so this is something where a lot of the questions have to be found personally. Mm -hmm. uh, we can make educated guesses, but that is very different than uh, throwing a mishmash of creepy stuff together and hoping that it all works. And again, we've read stories that are mishmashes of creepy things that we like, like normal porn, but that's because it has a structure that supports that. And Huntsville Camping Trip 2, the Arizonaing, uh, the, the Giger Geigering uh, didn't work. Uh, but pressing on. Mm -hmm. uh, the next set was different. It was as if the camera had been picked up and was now being held. The first photo was of the bottoms at night. The next startled me. I had to look closely before deciding what it was. A rabbit had been laid in the bushes, but its ears and most of its scalp had been peeled away. The next was of the same rabbit, but a thin, dark hand was holding it up against the sky. Its limp body hung like something from a nightmare. Mm-hmm, that's a good image. Yep. The following photos... In the following photos were more rabbits joined the one, each with their ears and scalp removed. Then a cat, then more cats, then a dog, the yellow lab, then the lion. The following photo was of seven rabbits, three cats, one dog, and the lion all laid out in a row facing the same way. Their arms and legs had been arranged as if they were marching, like some parade. All their scalps had been removed, and tiny white glints of their skulls could be seen. <clears throat> the last photo was overly bright. Like the photo had been taken too close with the flash on. An eye dominated the frame, but it was yellowed and crusty, and had a bar pupil like a horse. In the bottom corner of the the edge of a mouth could be seen. No lips, just teeth. Sharp and little, with wide gaps of red gum between them. 
I wish I hadn't looked. I heard my dad talking to the police outside. They said the speakers had malfunctioned. The recording had only played the first night. All right. Well. Yeah. And there's an example of a ambiguous, ambiguous-ish ending that works. There you go. This is tagged as based on a true story, and you can take that with a grain of salt. But it's well. Here's the let's let's do the the metric of is this realistic? It is. Is this something that can happen? I would say yeah. yes. I'd say yeah. It's, um, it, it paints a very vivid picture in the beginning that gives us the setting, that gives us realistic details about where they are, that shows that the at the very least the narrator uh, the narrator definitely knows what they're talking about, shows that the author has a good sense of the place as well. Then that eases us into the uh, the more fantastical parts of the narrative, and those parts are built up very carefully over a long period of time. And even when we get those parts, it's through, as we t- discussed earlier, a lens of a lens of a lens. Yes. And is yeah, this was until paragraph six that we get the crux of the story. And this is a short story. And so I think that that goes far into grounding the story. Again, we keep bringing it up, but the pacing is really good. It doesn't uh, focus on something for too long. Um, Each night is unique and interesting Mm -hmm. in what sounds it brings. It's it's all tight. Very clenched up. (laughs) Ah. It's, uh... Yeah. Yeah. And, again, the element of the unknown. And, by the way, this is under the category um, strange and unknown. That's the other category. That's the main category it sits in on this website. And I think that lives up to, to it without being overboard, you know? Well, this was, this was really good. I think, and, and, again, the, the, the images that we get, um, some of the bits of it are generic, but we don't pay attention to that because of the interesting bits of the visuals in, in the monster or whatever it is. So it has this weird um, structure in the way that it slumps over and everything, and it has a barred pupil like a horse that's bizarre and memorable. Mm-hmm. So those things really help, um, you know, just teeth, sharp teeth, no lips. It really helps ground those bits. You know what I mean? Yes. The reason uh, I called it a cryptid right off the bat was I do remember that final detail at the end about the eye and the teeth. That gives it the impression that um, we're basically looking at a close-up of Pumpkinhead. (laughs) We're like a chupacabra. Or a Wendigo. Or Shaq. <laughs> or Shaq. Shaq in his true form. I heard my dad talking to the police outside. They said that the speakers had malfunctioned. I was I trailed off. I I, I had a joke and it left me. The dunking had only happened the first night. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
So, um, let, first of all, I mean, we're all, I think when you get to an end of a story like this, where we're all going, yeah, yeah, that was good, and deservedly so. Um, like I said, this is a solid 9.0 on creepypasta.com, and it shows. Um, I think we're not we're not talking about the real metric for whether the story is realistic or not. Oh, which is? Uh, is, the, is the story more realistic than the story of Joseph Smith? <laughs> I would say so. Well, there wasn't enough Mormon Jesus in this, so no, not enough time, you know, tra- space traveling Jesus. Um, but that okay. So we, we, I, I assume when we get to our freshness ratings, we're all going to give it a certified fresh. Mm-hmm. I'd say certified fresh. But more, there's another thing I want to address here, real quick, real quick, because whenever I come upon a story like this, a story that I really enjoy, um. I always, in my head, go, would this make a good Midnight Marinara? And I've thought long and hard about this one. And I have to say no. Because while the audio would lend itself to something really creepy, the narrative flow of the story does not translate well to the medium of a radio play. Or that, And if it did, it would take some serious adaptation work that I feel like would make it lose the crux of why the story works as well as it does. So I'm, I'm trying, the reason I'm making this point is because I've been asked by people to do lots of different kinds of stories with Midnight Marinara, and I've read them, and some of them are good, and some of them are terrible, but the main thing I look into for any story is, is the story adaptable, and can it keep the same context, can it keep the same meaning, if I have to adapt it heavily? This is one of those cases where I feel like you would lose a lot if you tried to translate it to the the, the medium of an audio drama. It would be as ridiculous as like trying to make uh, like a TV series out of Candle Cove. Um, good, it's a good thing no one's done that. That was yeah. a really bad idea. Uh, but overall, when you're listening to the way that the story plays out, through most of it, I think you can effectively adapt it into audio but there are a lot of visuals that go along with this as well. So the audio lends itself to that, but um, not so much all of the visuals and the grounding and how do you ground it all. It, it would take significant reworking. And that's, again, that's that's the part I would think wouldn't make it work. Uh, I feel like this would almost, like the way it's, since it is very visual, this would make an amazing short film, like a really short film. Yeah. Uh, some of the scenes, like in particular when our narrator is looking out the window at night, listening to the sounds coming from the bottoms, I could see that so clearly, and I thought to myself, imagine how that would look cinematically in like an indie horror film. Yeah. That would be you know, so really cool. You, I, I can recreate some of the sounds coming from the bottoms. I, I, I can I, do that. I, okay. I'd rather you didn't, because I knew you were going to do that, you son of a bitch. Some of them so... were longer, and some of them were staccato. <laughs> uh... So, season three of Channel Zero, then? Um, this would this would work as a creepypasta TV show. 
Yeah, they stretched it out really weirdly. Like I said, the story is paced just about perfectly for what it's trying to accomplish, in my mind. So. It's perfectly set up for an episode of The Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, closer to a creepypasta TV show than Channel Zero is. Hell yes. Yeah. Twilight Zone is one of my key inspirations for Midnight Marinera because you, you get all kind, you know, you get some funny, kind of more lighthearted stories. You get some more terrifying stories. You get stories that make you think because that's the the power of the anthology. And I wanted to bring that same kind of energy to uh, Midnight Marinera. Um, and then you get shit like When God Blinks and that kind of stuff. That... Okay. Uh... <laughs> You know, it's it's kind of like a weird fiction story. Yeah, I was I was trying to figure out if you were being facetious or if you were actually being genuine, and then you proved my point because I can never. It's hard. It's hard to tell sometimes. But yeah, I really love that story. It's one of my favorite episodes. Uh, really? Yeah. You know, I like that one too. I like it quite a bit. <laughs> um, uh, ben really sold it. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, actually, it's despite the fact that um, they're never, they've never been in the same place. I actually thought that Ben and Jason actually played off each other well, but that's also because of my stellar editing. So, <laughs> and normally I'm the one to go up my own ass, but this time it was David. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm allowed to do it every so often, especially when I bring deliver a good story to this uh, show for you all to listen to. So you're welcome. America and other countries that listen to this show. <laughs> other lesser countries that listen to this show. Shout out to um... all those countries without Mormons. <laughs> Shout out to all those countries with uh, with lions that can end up in your creek bottom. I read a thing. I want to close out. Well, do we want to do plugs before I say the thing that we can close out with? I recommend the plug that went up David's ass. No, it's already out. Don't worry. Uh, I guess I will recommend... Uh, hold on. You you recommend something, Alan? Um, <clears throat> well... Um... Typically, after reading a scary story, I have trouble sleeping. But uh, I'm not going to have trouble sleeping thanks to the mattress I got off of Lisa.com. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa.com sells a mattress that uh, it, it has an experimental like latex layer called a Vena. Um, <laughs> Um, if you if you uh, go to Lisa dot com slash uh, Chafee, um, <laughs> you get a uh, seventy five dollar Midnight Marinara discount. If you enter the code Clincher, yes. Also, none of what I just said is true. We are um, not sponsored by any of these people. Um, part of the reason. We never have ads on anything here is because uh, of the generosity of my uh, Patreon supporters. So I want to take a moment to say thanks, you guys. Uh, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, and if more of you would like to give me money to support this podcast and more Midnight Marinara, 
if you like the stuff I actually put effort into, uh, that would be great. Uh, literally, if everybody who listened to the show just gave me a dollar, I could quit my job and work on this all the time, 24-7. <laughs> but I don't get any of that money. Alan and, Alan, no, you... Alan and Dead Palette and, and David, 100 years. 100 years uh, forever. But David, I, Alan, Dead Palette. But I don't get any of that money. So, so you could also take that dollar to dollarshaveclub.com. See, at dollarshaveclub.com. <laughs> okay. With, okay. Uh, promo club code dollarshaveclub.com. Mr. Illiterate. If you want to give money to David, you can do that at his Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Ashcan School. <laughs> you could do that too. Or you could email it to the, the PayPal, Alonso Pratt at gmail.com. <laughs> what I. So. Ultimately, I think National Geographic is going to have a pretty big, significant story from Idaho on their hands. They came looking for a lion, and they got a a, a thing that a witch in a wardrobe. They did. What you this? They they named the creature a witch in a wardrobe. All well, they're getting they're getting more than a lion's share. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Alan, do you have something? To <laughs> I'm so alone. Um, <clears throat> uh, Ignis Pergamentum YouTube channel. Uh, two new videos should be up. Go uh, watch them and listen th- and like and subscribe and favorite and share and throw and dance. And I'm going to recommend a video entitled Five, that's spelled out five, zero archive dot error dot failed to upload zero zero one. It is a new video I just uploaded or uploaded the day or before or after this came out. Somewhere around there, but it'll be up on my channel and it is completely different than almost anything I've ever uploaded. That's great. I'm I will we will all look forward to that. You know what else we can look forward to? What? This fun fact about lions. Since National Geographic didn't get their lion photos, Kayla sent this to me a little while ago. Fun fact lions aren't very good climbers, but they can jump thirty six feet. To which Tumblr responds, What? No. <laughs> they can leave. I, lo- I know what you're talking about, and I love the accompanying image with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but let me just read it off for everybody who's listening, because I can. What? No. They can leap 36 feet. As in leap forward 36 feet. They don't jump 36 feet into the fucking sky. Do you know how terrifying that would be to the human race? They wouldn't have left at survived because we'd have all had heart attacks while still in Africa which is followed by the image of a lion leaping, jumping 36 feet into the air in, the, er, in, in a leaping pose in the sky over some giraffes that are running away. Um, and it is... Thank you. I want to I wanna thank Kayla, who is uh, asleep in the next room, for sending me that image a while ago. Thank you, Kayla. 
I, I appreciate that. That image is hilarious, but, you know, we're not all lions. We can't just, like, pounce to get our food. But if you wanted to prepare simple meals at home, you could go to blueapron.com <laughs> and um, get use, the promo code, use the promo code uh, uh, Jack Off Corner. this podcast is a part of the benview network you can find this and other podcasts like it at benviewnetwork.com